0: Well, again, if you would, uh, take out your Bibles, and let's turn to uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Our text for today is uh, verses 8 through 16, but I'm going to begin reading actually in verse 1 for the sake of context. So Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Again, this is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light." For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But anything is exposed by the light becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Ask the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, we thank you for this reading of your word. We pray now, God, for the preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear. Be with this your servant. May the words that are spoken be true. May we understand rightly this passage. May we give all glory to Jesus in it. We do ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are going to take a walk, you will want to see where you are going. If you are going to take a walk, say, in the woods at night, you might want to take a flashlight with you. Or perhaps a lantern. Maybe you have your cell phone. You'll need something which will help guide your path. Now, I attended a seminary in Colorado in the mountains. It was a very rural area. We're uh, much like here, but mountainous. And if you were to go outside, if you were to be outside at night, away from town, away from houses away from streetlights, it is very, very dark. Well, one night, uh, it was particularly dark, there was no moon out, I decided that I would go from one building to another building at the seminary, and I can't really remember exactly where I was going, but it wasn't very far, and I didn't grab a flashlight, and this was actually before uh, cell phones had flashlights, right? As I began to walk on the road away from my house, it became apparent very quickly that I could not see anything. It was very disorienting. I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was going. Essentially, it was as if I was blind. The trouble with walking in the dark is that you may fall and stumble on things. You may fall into a ditch. You don't know what is lurking in the bush. Visions of mountain lions and bears were running through my head. I've seen bears in Colorado. I've seen uh, mountain lions around prowling. That's another story I could tell about that. But the the lesson here is clear it is better and safer to walk in the light. Well, what is true in the physical world is much more so in the spiritual. The Christian is called to a life of personal holiness. We've been given the light of the gospel, and this ought to guide our life. So this is the lesson, really. Those who are in union with Christ walk as children of light, having been awakened from spiritual darkness and death into spiritual light and life. Now, earlier in Ephesians, Paul had explained to his readers the grace of the gospel. The fact that That though they were at one time alienated from God, they were strangers to the promises of God. They had now been saved by grace through faith and are now united to their Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is because of this grace now that we have begun a series of therefores. The therefores are these linking words which point us to the implications and applications of the gospel. In light of the truths which have been expressed up to this point, we are saved by grace through faith, therefore we are instructed in this particular way. God has made peace with us through his gospel through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin and has brought us into the kingdom. And since these things are so, you are in union with Christ, you are a follower of Jesus, your life and my life necessarily is transformed. We've been made new creatures in Christ. We've been adopted as sons. And so we will conduct ourselves in the world differently from the world because we are God's people and have been given His Holy Spirit and are His children. This is, by the way, why plain moralism simply doesn't work. People don't truly change out of an exertion of personal effort. You might tell someone to simply try harder Work harder. Stop doing that. But they can't on their own. The fallen human condition is such that the sinner is incapable of change on their own. I'm not talking about little changes. I'm talking about heart, spiritual change. Change comes to the human being when they have the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. God. And so, what we have been seeing these past few weeks, and we will continue to see for some time, is an application of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the life of the individual believer. The impact that it has on our lives and the holiness which we're called to. And so, since we have union with Christ and have been made new creatures in Him, we're therefore to walk. In the light, Paul says. We've been saved by grace through faith. Our life needs to be characterized by that faith. A dying to ourselves, a living for Christ. When we we are in Christ, we are enabled to put off all falsehood. When we are in Christ, we are enabled enabled to be, as Paul says in verse 1, imitators of God. It is by faith in Christ, then, we are able to walk in the light. So that's the context. Our faith in Christ enables us to walk as children in the light. So this is where we pick up, now, in the latter half of verse 8. So the Christian, as Paul said in verse 1, is to be an imitator of God as his beloved children. We are to uh, be in his word, we're to live out his word. We are to walk in love. We are to do His will. We are to avoid uh, wickedness and the deeds, the wicked deeds of the flesh. But there are those who not only practice wicked things, but also encourage others to participate in wickedness. And often this will come in the form of guilt or accusations, like, don't be, don't be legalistic, you know, don't be a prude. This is how they encourage even Christians to participate in wickedness. So you and I are to be on guard. Not letting anyone deceive us with empty words. Not being taken in by the the vain janglings of this world. Paul warns us not to be partners with those who walk as sons of disobedience. Why? Why does he say this? Because we're children of light. We're children of the Lord. We belong to Him. Therefore, verse 8, because this is true, walk as children of the light. Now what does this mean? What does it mean to walk as children of the light? To walk as children of the light is to conduct our lives in accordance with our having been enlightened by the Holy Spirit in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Christian is to conduct his or her life consistent with the character of God as men and women who have been illuminated and sanctified and united to the Lord Jesus. Walking in the light is walking in accordance with God's revelation, consistent with His character, imitating God. 1 John 1, 5 and 7 We're to walk in the light because God is light. If we walk in darkness, if we say we have fellowship with God and yet walk in darkness, John says we're lying. Lying to ourselves, lying to others around us. But how how can we know that we're walking in the light? Aren't there many who claim to walk in the light but are actually walking in darkness? That might be one way to get there. How do we know? How do we know we're walking in the light? How do we get there? Well, look at verse 9. We're going to know by the fruit. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. See, those who are in light, walking in the light, produce the fruit of righteousness all that is good, all that is true. Those who are inheriting the kingdom will be known by how they live. The moral excellence will mark out their life as children of God. This is how you can know if you're living as a child of light. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ because they've been made new creatures in Him, will let their light shine before others, allowing them to see their good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5.16 This is what Paul uh, calls in Galatians the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22-24 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Goodness, righteousness, truth. These are all basic moral qualities which should mark out the believer in Jesus Christ. These are basic truths which Jesus taught and also illustrated by using a tree. Luke 6, 43 and 44, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. Good trees produce good fruit. That's what they're going to produce. Bad trees? Bad trees are not going to produce good fruit. They're going to produce the kind of fruit they were bred for. The truism of fruit trees applies to people. Those who have been transformed by faith in Jesus Christ will produce good fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. They will necessarily walk as children of light, not darkness. They will conduct their lives consistent with moral excellence. They will be a people who are repentant. Those who produce the unfruitful works of darkness, they have no part in the kingdom. They do not desire to put sin sin to death. They are unrepentant. They are rebellious against God. Jesus said that those bad trees which produce bad fruit will be cut down and tossed in the fire. But notice again that all once participated in the works of darkness. In other words... We are fallen sinners who are born in sin and left to ourselves. We all would be like the bad tree, producing bad fruit. Were not for the work of Jesus, we too would be cut out of the orchard and thrown into the fire. Because our works are not what, are not what save us. We have been supernaturally transformed from death to life. The fruit which is produced in a person's life then is indicative of the heart. It's the fruit that we see that shows us the truth, the reality of their spiritual state. There's nothing which comes out of your mouth, for instance, which isn't already in the heart. How many of you have... Spoken words, as you've laid it out on the table, you think, I'd really like to snatch those back. That wasn't an accident, it's what's in our heart, right? We're sinners. And if you take sin seriously, you will recognize you continue to sin and that you need to put that to death. Being a Christian does not mean that you're perfect. We are sinners in the process of sanctification. We are increasingly, on an ongoing basis, dying to sin, which remains in us, with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're not fully sanctified until we're in glory. But the question we have to ask ourselves is this is my life marked by a consistency of a consistency of undealt with sin and unrepented of sin or am I one who is repentant and seeking to put sin to death and live a life of holiness you see it's not the perfection of your life it's the direction which you ought to be concerned with are you seeking to follow after Jesus and his righteousness wholeheartedly, or are you simply presuming on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Romans 2 4 tells us. Beloved congregation, our life should be like that of the tax collector in Luke 8, 13, 18, 13, who went in to pray, and without even lifting his eyes to heaven, he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This is God's kindness and grace in Christ when you're like that. We're confronted with our own sinfulness and we're driven to our knees in repentance. That's God's grace in your life. Do you see the fruit of repentance in your life? The Christian, as a child of light, is to walk in that light. And, verse 10 says, try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, it seems that this is similar to what Paul says in Romans twelve two, where he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Discerning what is pleasing to the Lord is something like testing with fire, which is used to remove the dross and to, to prove a, a precious metal. Cast out your walk with the Lord. Burn away the dross of sin. Our walking as children of light, producing the fruit of light, the fruit of repentance, goodness, righteousness, truth. This will by its very nature verify what is pleasing to God. Why? Why? Because when we walk in the light, we're doing the very things which are pleasing to God. We will be walking in His ways. We will be following His word. Hebrews 13.6 says, Do not neglect to do good, and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Doing good, sharing with one another, These these are pleasing before the Lord. When, when Christians serve one another, we're not doing this so much for others. We're doing it for the Lord. And so as children of light, discerning what is pleasing to God, we're to do that which is good, which is glorious to the Lord, which pleases the Lord. And we're also to avoid that which grieves the Lord. And so those who walk by light and exhibit the fruit of light, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of repentance, then are also not to take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. If you're the light, you don't participate in darkness. Look at verse 11. Instead, it says we are to expose the unfruitful work of darkness. If you are united to Christ, you're not to be part of that which is wicked. There is no fellowship for the Christian with those who are outside of the kingdom. You and I cannot delight ourselves in the wicked ways of the world and partake in the things in which they partake in. The Christian is to have nothing to do with wickedness. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that we, do we shun unbelievers or that we can't have unbelieving friends? No, don't hear what I'm not saying. If we are to make disciples of the nations, then we must interact and befriend unbelievers. But there are limits. The Christian cannot join in with the sinful activities of the world. We don't seek to minister to bank robbers by joining them on their next heist. Your union is not with the world. It's with Christ. Just as Jesus exhorted, we cannot serve two masters. We cannot serve God and mammon. And so the follower of Jesus Christ is not to partake in the wickedness of the world. Instead, we're to expose that wickedness. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean that we expose the unfruitful works of darkness? Well, first of all, you will note the word used here for expose is a word which means to convince by evidence. To convince by evidence. In other words, we're to bring those things to light. To shine a light on it. To show that which is hidden. The wicked works of the world need to be shown for what they are their wickedness. They need to be brought out into the light. How is this done? Well,. When you and I walk in light as children of the light, producing the fruit of light, then we will be living lives which are in sharp contrast to the darkness of this present world. Because light contrasts with darkness. In fact, light chases out the darkness, doesn't it? This is how we expose the deeds done in darkness. We bring the light of the gospel to bear on people's lives, both in word and in deed. You see, even the very act of living in goodness and righteousness and in truth will expose and convict those who are living in darkness because light exposes those things. Those in darkness so exposed are convicted by the evidence against them. Just by how you live. Our witness, therefore, is like what Peter talks about in 1 Peter 2.12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. And so exposing sin is not about going into people's private lives and you know, trying to dig up the dirt on them put us all on Facebook so everybody sees what dirty deeds people are doing. That's not what we're talking about. Quite frankly, that's what the world does, doesn't it? That's not what we're talking about. No, instead, by doing good, living in accordance with God's word, our very lives begin to expose that which is false. In that sense, then, the gospel of Jesus Christ is like a giant spotlight which exposes wickedness. But understand this, those who are committed to darkness, they will attempt to destroy the light. You see, the world doesn't wish to be exposed. Wickedness doesn't want to be exposed. And so you may well suffer as a consequence for living as light. Nevertheless, no matter how vile the sins are done in secret, they are exposed by the truth. Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Luke 8, 17. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. All sin. All wickedness. All of these things eventually will be exposed by the Lord. That goes for you and I as well. Your hidden sins will eventually come to light. You cannot hide, beloved. The light will expose, truth will expose darkness. The light of the gospel, the word of God, shines forth magnificently, bright light on the sinful deeds of men. And for his elect children, this leads to repentance. This is God's kindness and grace to you. When the the light exposes you, that's God's grace to you. For, uh, For the Christian, it leads to repentance and newness of life in Christ. The exposed person is led to faith or grows in their faith. When anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Sin is exposed by light, the light of our personal ministry, by our very lives, by how we conduct ourselves before the world. That is, speaking the word of God and living a life of personal holiness. Your, your own conduct is, is your, the, the, the first source of your evangelism. How you conduct yourself, people will notice the difference. And the result is that the slumbering and spiritually dead are exhorted to rise so that the life-giving light of divine truth may fall upon them as well. Verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul is here drawing on an Old Testament, most particularly Isaiah 61, which says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In Isaiah, the context is that people are in captivity, in, uh, or, or being led to captivity to the Babylonians, and so this is a great time of darkness. They were they were being taken out of the land. Darkness had fallen on Israel. They're going to be stuck in Babylon, this foreign land. But they were to get up from their slumber, for the light will shine on them as the glory of the Lord comes on them, as the morning sun chases away the darkness of night. And so there's great hope for the people because of the God, because of the God who saves. So here in Ephesians, the sinner is asleep in, in spiritual bondage to sin. But with the coming of the of the light of the truth, they experience a spiritual awakening as Christ shines upon them. And the gloom of night is past. And they can bask now in the glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that's the picture. This is what is happening to those who are exposed by the light, exposed by the Word and the Spirit of God. When they are laid bare... And they are changed as Christ shines upon them as the glory of the Lord raised the covenant people up from their despair. And so the sinner in despair is raised and given new life as well. Those who are asleep are the spiritually dead in darkness. The light which comes from Christ has the power to reach even the spiritually dead. Such were some of us as well. This is what Jesus was saying in John 5, 25. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Believers are children of light. And so have no fellowship with the works of darkness, but instead expose them to the light, And so we need to be careful in how we walk in the world. Walking not as the unwise, but as the wise. Look at verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise. We're to walk wisely. Now keep in mind, much of this section is centered on the Christian walk. How we live our Christian life. We are called to take care in that walk. So that we won't stumble in the darkness. Like, like I had stumbled in the darkness that night at, at the seminary. when I didn't bring a flashlight. We're not to stumble in the darkness. You don't want to be like one who stumbles at night. And the word of God, is, as we read in our Old Testament reading. The word of God is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. You and I need to walk in wisdom, which means we need to walk according to the Word of God. God's Word is wisdom. We need to use wisdom, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. And so the picture is one of the Christian walking in this evil world, in this hostile territory, as if one was walking at night with much hostility. Those mountain lions and bears, perhaps. But we have life-giving light. We're to be wise and redeem the time. What does that mean? What does it mean to redeem the time? There's so much, so many rich phrases here. The phrase redeem the time or make the best use of time is actually one long Greek word which basically means buying up the marketplace. That's what it actually means. Buy up the marketplace. Seizing the opportunity. If you're at the market... And there's a really good deal going on. You want to you jump on it. You want to buy it all up. Apparently everybody's buying up Sriracha right now because I can't ever find it anywhere. But if we do, we're going to buy it all up. Seize the, seize the opportunity. Buy up the market. Take it up. Don't delay. I mean, this is the idea. That we, that we live in an evil age. We're walking out into the darkness. We have the light of God... And we must buy back, we must make the best use of time. We might do this at our own personal expense of self-denial for the purpose of the glory of God. We will use fully whatever opportunities exist before us to bring the light to bear in this dark world. When we live in the light, opportunities will present themselves to expose darkness. Take advantage of the opportunities that the Lord gives to you to expose wickedness with the truth. To shine the light of the gospel in the face of this evil world. And keep your light on. Even if by it you attract those who might attack you. Even if there is significant cost to you personally. Because as Christians, you and I are called to walk as the wise and not like the unwise. And our time is short in this wicked world. As the the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, says, you know, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Life is a mist, it's fast, it's quick. Time is short. Redeem the time that you have. Take advantage of the time that you have. You know, as we consider all of this together, does it seem like we're being asked to do the impossible? Perhaps you're following along and maybe you feel a little despair. I do these things? Or maybe you're thinking ah man, I'm not walking in the light all the time. I'm not redeeming the time. I'm not taking opportunities as they come. How can I do these things? How can I consistently walk in the light? I'm a sinner. I'm I'm a miserable sinner. And I sin so often. I'm like Paul in Romans 7. I do the very thing that I don't want to do, and I don't do the thing I know I should do. Oh, wretched man that I am. Listen, beloved, don't despair. Keep in mind, again, this is all in the context of God's marvelous grace. Everything that we've looked at these past few months are the therefores. You have been saved by grace through Jesus Christ, therefore live as children of the light. You are redeemed in Christ, if you are a follower of Him. Our lives should reflect the things which Paul is telling us, not not so that we can be worthy of being saved, but because we are saved by His grace. This is the comfort of the gospel. This is the good news, that you and I can rest in the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again to give us newness of life. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. And he has given to you by faith his righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Beloved, you can rest in that. You can rest knowing that you are in him, you are in his kingdom. Paul's point throughout all of this is to say that if you are justified by faith in Jesus Christ, then you are also being sanctified as well. And so as we live out our Christian life, as as we walk in newness of life, we will increasingly walk in wisdom. We will walk in the light. We will put to death the sinful deeds and desires. We will increasingly imitate God. This is the direction our lives should take because we're new creatures in Christ. And so what we've been seeing is the application of the law in response to the gospel of grace. We delight in God's law because of His grace. Those who are in union with Christ... By faith in Him, transformed by His Holy Spirit, walk as children of light. Have been awakened from spiritual death to life, having gone from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of God's light. You can rest in in God's wonderful provision, His grace to you. And so, as you as you think about your life, as you think, I want to walk in the light. Know that you that this Holy Spirit will help you do that very. Thing. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Sometimes we come to sections like this and they're hard, it's a hard word. But man, we are so grateful for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy. And Father, we do pray that as believers in Jesus Christ, that you would help us to walk in your light, to be children of light to not take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but that by our lives, by walking with Christ, we would expose that which is false, that which is wicked. We pray, Father, too, in our own lives, that You would shine a light on our lives, that You would shine a light on the sin which remains in us, that we may repent. And that we may follow after you, living lives of holiness that you've called us to. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in each of our lives as you're sanctifying us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.